Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Welcome back to the Big Bets on Campus podcast presented by BetMGM. I'm your host, Tim Kalinowski of Action Network, joined by BCS themselves, the heartbeat of our college football coverage. That means Brett McMurphy, Colin Wilson, and Stucky. We got a full crew back talking just kind of a a macro cleanup of uh, the regular season here. And as some of the bowls are underway, and especially right now, some some of the bigger news is, it's happening off the field with the transfer portal and whatnot. You know, Dylan Gabriel looks like he's going to Oregon. Riley Leonard, Notre Dame, I could go. The list goes on and on. Um, Brett, as we welcome you back here, I'll ask you first, are there any of these quarterbacks or, you know, uh, transfer portal movement that makes you more excited about a team, makes you a little bullish? And also, too, how does this kind of go down? We see a lot of these coaches – you know, whining about, you know, it costs one to two million for a quarterback. You know, how did you were talking to me before the show about it just kind of gets slated. You know, it, it's this guy goes here. Now someone else, they don't want to be the backup there. They go here. So I'll let you take the floor here, Brett, on um, all things, um, you know, sexy in the portal. Yeah, Tim. I mean, you know, obviously guys are moving for the money, but they also want playing time. And like we mentioned, uh, you know, Kyle McCord was talking in Nebraska. Well, then Nebraska upgraded. So now Ohio State's Kyle McCord goes to play for the Syracuse University. Um, You know, obviously they want to go where the money's the best situation, but they also don't want to sit on the bench. I mean, I think Spencer Sanders, who went to Ole Miss last year, is the rare exception. He went to a place where he was not guaranteed a starting position. He basically didn't play all year, but apparently he was he was happy with that situation. Uh, the one that that you named a couple, the ones that I that I think will have the biggest impact. I mean, I, I love Riley Leonard to Notre Dame. 
uh, I think Dylan Gabriel um, from OU to UO uh, gives Oregon a, a different kind of quarterback than they had with Bo Nix. I don't think with Dan Lanning, they'll miss a beat. Um, I, I'm fascinated to see what happens with Will Rogers going from Mississippi State to Washington. That's a totally different offense. I'm not saying that Will Rogers can't run it, but that's obviously a different type of quarterback than Michael Penix. And to show how crazy this is, um, according to 247 Sports, there's a, <laughs> I understand there's starting quarterbacks, backups, third teamers. There's, there's 133 schools. There are 120, qu- 120 quarterbacks in the portal. That is freaking crazy. So um, the, the merry-go-round will continue, and there, there's no end in sight. Colin. What have you seen in the portal that has caught your eye? And, you know, I'm not asking you to start breaking down next season's, you know, uh, futures market and whatnot, but is it changed the way you kind of have to handicap? And I, I think specifically with how we've seen how these transfer quarterbacks, they tend to do better the second year. So guys stepping in immediately, is that something that we've learned in our short sample size here that kind of changes the the arithmetic for you? Yeah, it completely depends on the situation. I mean, the two teams that are, really catching my eye in the portal right now are Purdue and Indiana, two teams that probably would have been an afterthought in the futures market next year, really making a lot of rumbles in the transfer portal. But from a quarterback perspective, like Brett said, sometimes you transfer to another place and there's not a spot for you and you get left out and you have no stats like Spencer Sanders. Well, to me, that's a guy here close to home, which is KJ Jefferson. Uh, I I think he was a little blindsided by the fact Taylor Green left uh, Boise State after the Mountain West Conference Championship victory, immediately went to Arkansas. Uh, Story floating out there about how both Petrino and Pittman recruited him years ago, like 2018-ish, trying to get them to get Taylor Green to come play for their respective teams. And now KJ Jefferson is just, if you follow his like Instagram reels or his social media, like he's just like, haven't made my decision. Don't know what I'm going to do. Need to clear my head. Well, KJ Jefferson, you need to figure it out because I'm not sure following your buddy Rocket Sanders over to South Carolina is the greatest idea right now. It's, I feel like KJ Jefferson is going to be a guy that gets to a program that doesn't A, accelerate his NFL draft stock, B, might even promise him uh, playing time. So I think, you know, KJ Jefferson's going down that Spencer Sanders path. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's it is fascinating, and, and I think you, you know, you bring up a good point where it's all kind of about fit. And Stucky, for you, is is that something as you're looking here? It's it's all about fit for you as well. Yeah, I mean, it's December 18th. I haven't really looked at next year, but uh, it's every situation is completely different. I like buying upside on teams where there's a new coach and quarterback, because um, then you can really mix it up and you get that high upside variance. So Indiana as of right now is probably the most intriguing team to me because they got Curtis Rourke, who I really like at quarterback. And then most importantly, Signetti, who just always has overperformed no matter where he's been. And look what he did at JMU right from the start, right from the jump transitioning to FBS, whether you look at just their wins against the spread, um, he always overperforms. So you get those two together, make some hay in the portal. Indiana uh, could be much better than expected. And a team that I haven't looked at a thing for next year, but a team that in my head, I have circled for team total over right away. Yeah. I, I Honestly, I total over. Sorry. Yeah. I, I think it's exciting to, you know, it gives us another element of, of things to, of news, of things to chew on. 
but Suggy, as a guy who already does so much work, you know, you don't sleep. You're, you know, the wonderful work you do with the portal tracker and opt out tracker for bowl season. I like it, but I don't do as much work as you. So do you, do you hate the new kind of way of college football at the portal for making more work for you or just feed the beast here? Uh, it is what it is. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't like now the bowls are crazy just because it's thousands of names that I have to go through and it's every minute. Um, so yeah, it's a bit more work and it's probably only going to get crazier over time, but uh, yeah, it's nature of the beast. <laughs> Brett, for you covering it and the way it's evolved, is that, um, you know, do you feel the the pain point of just, it's so much more and so much more work to do, or do you kind of salivate like I do thinking about this, all this movement and what it could look like? Well, I think it gives hope to, to fan bases. Like Stucky said, you know, Indiana is a team that without the coaching change, um, without, you know, a new quarterback, you'd probably think, well, we're, you know, we're headed to another four and eight season, but now there's actually hope. Um, and so that's obviously, you know, huge for these fan bases. You know, the thing that, you know, it's kind of got, I don't necessarily think it's been overlooked. People have talked about it, but what's an, an important unfortunate consequence about all this it's I don't want to say it's killed it but it's certainly diminished high school recruiting I mean signing days on Wednesday like who's going to sign you know there's a handful of players coaches now they don't they don't really look to the high schools they would look to the colleges they want to they want to get guys that are established that they know are a known commodity as opposed to take a risk on some high school kid that may develop in three or four years so that's been a, an unfortunate consequence about all this, but yeah, as Stucky said, it's just it's just the nature of the beast, and it's gonna this is gonna continue this way until you know we start paying players or compensating players or whatever the next change is um, that will surely happen probably before this podcast is over as quickly as things have been moving. Um, but it, yeah, it's just it's kind of where we're at now, and let's see where we're at next year, and I'm sure it's gonna be different. And Brett, you would agree that the reason why the coaches are more focused on the transfer portal to getting these short-term players is because athletic directors are now way more short-term in their job length, like going from four years, getting your recruiting class in, let's see what you can do in four years. Now it's <laughs> two and done. Uh, there's been an example of a one and done, but I mean, the coaches are really under the pressure to perform right away. Yeah, there's no longer like, well, wait till he gets all his players in, you know, the fourth year. It's like, okay, <laughs> You've had a year. You've got all your players in. I mean, Dion got all his players in in year one. You know, um, now he's got year two. So obviously, Dion's not on any hot seat. But um, yeah, that's a that's a great example. And it's it's what have you done for me yesterday? And there there is no more patience in these fan bases because of social media and and everything else. They can make their feelings known and kind of uh, you know band together to to run folks out of town if they're not doing well and if you're an athletic director you've got a choice back your quarterback and kind of push back against the fans or just kind of accept it that we've got to we've got to move on yeah and brett just to follow up if you could you know shine some light on the process here because it, it seems confusing for fans with the you know, I've seen some coaches talk about, you know, I'm dealing with agents, I'm dealing with parents, you know, the kid comes in and says, you know, uh, my, I started, you know, 1.5 mil. Like, does this player in the portal, does he meet with the coach? And then he goes over and meets with 
the guy in the cowboy hat with all the money like is it all at once how is it all the same does every school kind of do it the same way how how does it really work when you're you know a quarterback in the portal on a visit well i mean every school does it differently obviously the the players are going to meet with the coach and meet with the coaching staff usually these relationships are developed with the assistant coaches um like colin mentioned you know with uh Taylor Green, you know, with coaches that have, you've recruited these kids in the past, they ended up somewhere else. So there's usually some relationships that way. So the coaches will meet with the players, you know, because you don't want to, you don't want a turd on your team, to be honest, you know, unless the turd is really, really talented, then you'll look the other way. And then, you know, if there is, you know, a possibility, if, you know, it takes two to tango, then, then the, you know, the money people would will get in touch of the money people from the school, not the coaches, but the people that take care of those those things. Wink, wink, nod, nod. And then, you know, they will all come to an agreement and uh, and then you get the the the, the uh, tweet on Twitter from the from the guy with the, you know, hey, I'm, I'm at my new home. I love it here and the beautiful artwork and all that good stuff. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, you guys started to touch on it, but, you know, Chip Kelly had some comments uh, in a presser last week about, you know, kind of the state of college football and basically said, you have to, you have to have a 64 team conference. That's power five, you know, and we all are independent. We all play each other. We got teams on the West. One year we play the teams in the East. One year we play the teams in the South. And, you know, he said our softball team should be playing, Arizona and softball. Our basketball team should be playing Arizona and basketball. Players should get paid, get rid of the NIL, get rid of all the wink, wink, nudge, nudge, because the product is the players and they don't get paid. That's the real travesty here. Um, you know, Colin, would you make a, of those Chip Kelly comments? And do you kind of agree with him as we're seeing also with the Charlie Baker proposal? I think this kind of runs parallel to that and the state of all this, I feel like a lot of people seem to agree with Kelly. It's like, but he's the one saying it. And I know a few coaches have started to say it, but someone's finally said it out loud. feels like. Yeah. I mean, he's spot on. I mean, he, what did he say two or three times? He said, not that I've thought about this or anything. He has thought about it a lot. And, you know, he's not happy. He wasn't happy with the clock changes earlier this year. He made a few comments about how we're going to be able to sell more commercials. I hope everybody's happy. Like the state of college football athletics is something that's on his mind all the time. And I think he's completely right. Um, you know, you're going to have to have a bunch of teams that are basically independent and come up with an agreement to have, you know, some sort of scheduling way. And, you know, then you, it makes revenue sharing a lot easier. If everybody, if 128 teams go independent, I don't know what his plan is for UMass. That bothered me a little bit. We got to include all 133 teams, but uh, no, I, I think he's spot on. We do need a college commissioner. I don't know who the governing body is that decides we have a college commissioner who presides over all of that, but it's, it's needed now more than it ever has been in, in recent years. And and without it, we're just really in the wild, wild west with uh, conference commissioners dictating what they're going to do without no recourse. So I think he's completely right. I just don't know how you crown a conference or a commissioner of all college football. Yeah, that, that there's a lot of uh, pain points here and challenges. Stucky, I know, and this is why I love you. You're kind of just, I don't care. I need to find a way to make money on all of this. So when when you see the Chip Kelly things, you know you are a fan too of of college football, and, and you see this is this something that you foresee as well, just following the damn sport for so long. Yeah, no, I I echo everything that he, he said. I think I think if people 
are into college football, they should go watch uh that entire his entire uh commentary on him because he's he's really well versed in all things college athletics. How about McMurphy for commissioner? McMurphy <laughs> McMurphy twenty five. Uh you know if I if I went if I did a if I was commissioner of college football, I'd actually have to take a pay cut. So I don't know if I want to wanted to do that. I mean, everything Chip said is 100% spot on and everyone agrees with it. The problem is we're so far past that that we can't yeah. go backwards. You can't you can't force teams to leave conferences that they're already in. And, you know, what Colin said about the commissioners, I agree with that a thousand percent, but that's never going to happen. And Colin said the reason why, because of the conference commissioners. You're, you are not going to have Greg Sankey or Tony Petiti or Brett Yormark who run their own conferences and the other conference commissioners. And then suddenly Brett McMurphy is commissioner is the czar of college football. Now all of those commissioners have a boss, somebody above them. That's never going to happen. These commissioners answer to the university presidents, and that's their 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 sounding board, if you will, their bosses, if if you, if you will. And they are never going to appoint somebody above them. So that's why, unfortunately, it it I don't think it's ever going to happen unless the football teams break away from the universities and they're just they're just a representative of the university, and then we can kind of do something like like Chip Kelly said. And just pair up football teams based on geography and those sort of factors. But I also agree with Chip with if if they did do this, the TV rights for for an entire group of you know the top elite college uh, you know power teams, or that 64, 32, whatever it was, whatever it is, would be uh, a lot better than the deals that the current conferences have right now. So when all of us are like, yeah, Chip, go Chip, it's it's the commit the commissioners of these conferences that are the ones rolling their eyes and saying, "Shut up, Chip." Is that is that the case? Like that that's where the the buck stops. Well, I think it's well, I more. Know. I mean, I'll let Brett should answer, but it's more like I've seen Brett Yormack and, and Greg Sankey walk into rooms, and no one's ever telling them what to do. It's more like, okay, Chip, that's a great idea, but it's like it's never going to come to fruition. Yeah, you can't tell you right now. You can't like what Chip says makes a lot of sense, but you can't tell. You know, okay, USC, you've just signed a, you know, 25-year deal to go to the go to the Big Ten, and you're going to make, you know, in, in year six, you're going to make $100 million a year. Now you've got to, okay, now you're not going to go to the Big Ten anymore. You're going to stay, and you're going to play all these teams in the, in, the, in the West Coast, and you're not going to be in that. No, by the way, the Big Ten, you can no longer have USC, and you can no longer have Oregon, and you can no longer have Washington. Um, you've got to stick with your teams. That That's never going to happen. So I'm not saying – I don't think that they necessarily roll their eyes. It's like these deals are done. We're, we're past that. What's What Chip says is correct, but we're past that, and it's – you know, the paste is out of the tube. I don't know how you put it back in. The only way you can is if the football programs for each school literally break away from the school. So the University of Alabama football team would not, and technically would not be the University of Alabama, but they would represent the University of Alabama. Then that's a way that you could do it with the football teams 
and kind of do what Chip's talking about. But even if you do that, you're going to have the SEC, you're going to have the Big Ten, which are the only two that matter, are going to push back because they just made major realignment moves with Oklahoma, Texas, and all the schools going to the Big Ten. So they're not suddenly going to go, oh, you know what, for the good of college football, we're going to, you know, we're not going to add those schools to our conferences. We want to, we want to help out the Sun Belt. We want to help out the Mountain West. That's never going to happen. And that's what sucks about college football is you've got every conference working in their own silo, if you will, and they're only concerned about their only conference, as they should be. But you, you, can't, have, you can't have both things. You can't have, have them wanting to do something for the best of college football and also wanting to do something for the, that helps their conference specifically. It just doesn't work out that way. Mm-hmm. Stuck, does a, does a world where, um, you know, you know, Miami, Ohio, Toledo, Akron, you know, all these schools that you, you know, kind of have made a, a brand off of, you know, diving into, like, does a world where those schools don't really exist on a national Not level, <laughs> does it, does it, does that scare you? Um, you know, does it sicken you a world where those schools, you know, really don't matter? I mean, I don't think they're going to go away. I, I think that eventually there's going to be like, either two i think it's going to be like four conferences that matter with like 16 teams each i don't know how we get there but i think that eventually that's like i don't know the dates or the years and then it's going to be like 64 teams in the F- and it's like a premier league thing and then and then you have all the rest of the teams that are in group of 5 right now um and they're kind of like they would become the new FCS and mm-hmm. they would play like their own thing and they would have their own playoffs. And, and uh, maybe, it, you know, I, I don't know if like you'd still take the best one from there and put them in the playoff. I don't know. I doubt it. Like I bet it's just going to end up being like, you're going to split this up. And I imagine that FCS is just going to die. Uh, like it'll still exist, but like, it's going to, everyone's going to get poached. That's good. Um, and it's just going to be harder for those. And, and I bet some of them will move up. Like, I bet you're going to have like North Dakota state, Montana, they might eventually come up um, to like the second division of FBS. Um, so I think that's where we're headed. So I don't think that like Mac football is going to go away maybe in like 15, 20 years when I'm rotting underground. So I won't care about that, but um, <laughs> I, I also just feel bad for, like when I think about all this stuff and you see all this, all the money floating around, it's like this guy got is getting five hundred thousand. I just feel bad. Like there's like a guy that graduated four years ago that was really good that never made it to the NFL, and he's like, God damn. Like number one, it's like six seven hundred thousand dollars that you could have had. Number two, imagine how much more fun college would have been if you. I mean, some of these guys are still getting paid anyway, but like, uh, imagine if Keaton Mitchell, like, I mean, the timing that you're talking about matches. Like, imagine if Keaton Mitchell never got anything at, at East Carolina, and then last night he would have ended his career in the NFL. That would have been the worst case scenario for missing the money. Yeah, yeah. But so there was some. There were so many guys that got then got injured or uh, just never made it in the pros, and they're. It's got to be so tilting to see, like just five, four or five years later and they got nothing. And now these numbers are just going through the roof. Um, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. It's, <laughs> I think that's, it's a very good point. Timing is everything. And it leads us to, you know, what is ahead for us? And that is 
eventually this 12 team college football playoff. And I was thinking and talking with our producer, Matt Mitchell, about kind of the sustainability of the bowl method with, with all these, you know, opt outs and how much of a goose chase this is just handicapping these teams and bowl games. And it's kind of like, thank God for gambling because I don't know who else would be, you know, a lot of people be throwing their hands up going, I, I don't even know who's playing in these games. I kind of can't follow. It feels like NBA regular season to a point where it's just like, I, I can't even keep track of who's playing. Um, Colin, this, you know, you guys are all older than me and that you grew up with bowls really mattering and, and caring about this whole season. And I wasn't, I kind of missed it. It was when I was really young. And so does it, you know, hurt you calling to see that these bowls don't mean as much unless it came to gambling and are the, is it going to re- even get worse with, the 12 team playoff. Look, when I was six years old, Arkansas was in the blue bonnet bowl with coach Lou Holtz. Um, and it, it didn't mean anything to anyone except the people at the school of Arkansas. And I think bowl games are always going to matter to the teams that are attending them. I never think there's going to be too many because I went through the pandemic and there was, you know, sometimes no football at all, depending on the conference. So I don't think we're ever going to have enough. In my opinion, the sport is growing. The the people that watch it is growing. The terminology is growing. Like people are getting a different version of the NFL. And I mean, wait till people in Europe who have this huge, huge appetite for the NFL. Wait till they check out college football and get involved with that. And um, you know, I I don't know how the 12 team playoff is going to work at all, especially with all the conferences. I assume, and this is where the handicap for next year. If you're looking for a deliverable for next year, which I've got to concentrate on here in the offseason. I think a 10 and two team is going to make a 12 team playoff and have a chance to win the national title. Now, how I translate that to, Oh yeah. Ole Miss has a shot at 10 and two. I should bet their odds. Like, will odds makers adjust 12 teams down under 20 to one to win the national title is like, I mean, I'll be at the national title game in Houston. The second that gets done, you know, a couple of books in Vegas will start posting national title odds for the following year. And I'm just going to be looking for teams above 30 to one that have a shot to be two losses on the season. It, this is, it's going to be a wild offseason from a gambling perspective because think the Heisman comes into this too. Generally, you have to have a team in the college football playoff to have a, a Heisman contender. Well, 12 teams are going to be in the playoff here. So I'm extremely fascinated with where odds makers stand in the betting market for college football coming after this game and national title in Houston. Yeah. they And again, so, they, you know, they matter for us because, you know, we are, we are the diehards. I feel like, you know, we could be the minority here, but, you know, Brett, is it is this 12-team playoff going to accelerate, you know, these other bowls, quote-unquote, not mattering? Tim, they already don't matter. I mean, that's <laughs> the sad thing. That, I mean, I hate it, and I cover bowls as much as anybody. I hate that, but that's, that's the reality. But by saying they don't matter, yeah, they don't matter in the grand, grand scheme of the playoff or the, anything like that. <clears throat> they still bring in monster TV ratings. You know, the the so-called worst bowl matchup will ha- still have better ratings than the best college basketball matchup uh, at the same time. I think what's going to happen, you know, currently we have 41 bowl games. That does not include the national title game. Um, the next two years, uh, we may drop from that 41 number. Maybe they, we, they can hold on. But when we do – when they do the new bowl contracts – which start in three years after the 20, excuse me, 2026 season, I think we're going to drop. We will not have 41 bowls because you simply won't be able to finance those games because the teams that you're going to get, um, you're going to, the, the biggest thing is with all of the conference realignment, 
specifically the Big Ten and the SEC, obviously, obviously the Big 12 also, you're going to have fewer teams that get the six wins. Um, you know, you guys saw the schedule release for the SEC, uh, some of the other conferences. There's some really, you know, awesome head-to-head games that we've never seen before. Well, one team is going to win and one team's going to lose. So there's going to be a lot more teams that do not get bowl eligible. And I don't know how many bowls really have the stomach to have five and seven teams. And if you're further down the pecking order of the bowl list uh, and you don't offer a lot of money, that's what you're going to get stuck with. So um, yeah, it's going to matter. It's going to matter less. And also if we think opt-outs are bad now for the bowl games, wait until next year. If you're not in the 12-team playoff, because the 12-team playoff is all we're going to be talking about. That's all anybody's talking about this year. What if we would have had a 12-team playoff this year? This is how the this is how the seeding would have been. What a great situation it would have been. And, you know, people can argue, well, the, the regular season doesn't matter. The Ohio State-Michigan game is not an elimination game. And it's, it's still going to matter. Um, but unfortunately, if you're not in that, tw- if you don't make that 12 team playoff, I don't know how many people are going to play in bowl games. I actually have had an executive director of, of a bowl tell me this year they were concerned that some team may forfeit. They just may not have enough players because of opt outs, because of the portal, because of injuries. And that's happened in the past. We just called it COVID. But so far, so good. We've, we've still got a ways to go, though. Quit hiding it, Brad. You know it's the Orange Bowl. Both Georgia and Florida State are going <laughs> to. No, but you know what, Colin? It won't be the Orange Bowl because that pays too much money. Right, They'll right. find a way to play it. But one of these lesser bowls where the payout's not as much. And, again, think about this. And you t- talked about Chip Kelly earlier. UCLA pulled out of the Holiday Bowl a couple years ago, quote, because of COVID issues, literally four hours before kickoff. That's total BS, Okay. They didn't want to play the game. There could have been some COVID. The game could have been played. They did not want to play. Well, what happened? There was no repercussions. They weren't fined. There was no financial penalty. So it's just kind of like, okay, we decided not to play, and we go on our merry way. So that's a real that's a real possibility, and it's and it's one that that keeps bowl directors up at night because if a team just simply decides we can't play, we don't have enough healthy players, everybody's in the portal, there is no repercussions, there is no financial penalty against the school, but the bowl obviously takes a huge hit financially. Let me ask, let me pivot and ask Brad a question. Why was the decision to give the top four seeds next year a home game instead of making them play, say, in the Dollar General Montgomery Bowl or play in um, the Vegas Bowl or something, you know, like a, I don't know, something close to home for the team that earned the top four well, I guess it would be the first round. So it would be everybody but the first four. But why did they give them home games instead of like trying to generate money and playing at a neutral site? Because the the commissioners that they wanted the the playoff to be on campus, at least the first the first round, the five versus twelve, six eleven, and so forth. So those guys will get a home home game. And then obviously the second round moved to the bowls, the neutral sites. Um I think, and I think a lot of people agree, that when literally one minute into that first on-campus playoff game next year, everyone's going to say, why isn't every playoff game on campus? Except maybe when you get to the title game, you play at a neutral site like the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, 
obviously it, it brings a lot of um, means a lot financially to these cities too. If you're, if you're in South Bend, if you're in Madison, Wisconsin or whatever, and you basically have a, you have an additional home game, the amount of revenue that's going to bring in. Now the people that are against it are the bowl people because that hurts their product. They want to have all the playoff games in the bowl games. <clears throat> and the reasons they bring up is, you know, logistics, which to me, it's, a, it's, it's legitimate reasons. Like, how can you get, how are you going to be able to get a hotel for a visiting team in, uh, you know, Madison, Wisconsin with two weeks notice? You're not. Or Notre Dame or Birmingham or what? pick any college town. You're not. That's a real issue. I just look at it as that's an excuse. The Bulls want the games to stay in the Bulls because they make them, they make more money that way. And when they start being moved on campus, then the bowls become less relevant. As far as the, the six major bowls, the New Year's six bowls, those guys will be fine. They'll they'll alternate the, the semis, the probably the finals coming up in a few years. Um, but I think also, Colin, when a top four team loses the their opening game, which will be at a neutral site, the first time that happens, the head coach will get up at the press conference and within I'll give it uh, – I'll say over under 60 seconds. He will say, why didn't we play this game on our campus, like the first round? And then that will get everyone thinking, you're right, the, the first four seeds should also get a play on campus. So I think that's something to look forward, you know, down the road. Yeah, Colin, shh, they finally gave us something good with that. You don't ask questions. They finally, they finally gave us something good with those home games. That's – I can't even believe they gave us that. It's fantastic. Um, Stucky, all right, I want to give you the keys here. Fresno State 37, New Mexico State 10 in the New Mexico Bowl. Your guy, not your guy, Diego Pavia, 11 for 25, 58 yards and a pick. What say you? In the history of the United States, there's never been a Ponzi scheme that has not eventually been uncovered by the Securities and Exchange Commission. <laughs> and eventually they're all uncovered. And they're exposed. They can only last for so long. The money stops coming in. You can't pay out the people that want their money. And then someone looks into it and arrests happen. And uh, I mean, the best tweet I got from this weekend is uh, after that Pavia performance was Bernie Madoff thinks this is fraudulent. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, they were exposed. Jerry kill. I couldn't even get my over. All I had, I, I had the over that game. They couldn't even get the 14 points. Uh, they were talking about being in that bowl for years, and that's what you get. Then Jerry Kill is, uh, after the game, complaining that they New Mexico wouldn't let them practice on their uh, on their field. But well, they did. Maybe Pavia shouldn't have peed on it. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. And, by the way, the last group of five episode is up, and uh, they gave the – they gave the uh, inaugural Zappy Award to Pavia. Pretty sure they recorded that on Friday night. <laughs> yeah, Jerry Kill said, if I get in trouble, I don't give a shit. I can go down to Mexico tomorrow, drink margaritas, and let you all enjoy your life. But I've got class. Obviously, he was not happy that, they, uh, that New Mexico was at first not letting New Mexico State use their practice facility because, um, you know, of uh Is you know peeing on the field class <laughs> well he said that pavia has been cleaning uh toilets with a toothbrush 
So, well, maybe you should have maybe you should have been practicing throwing a football. Fair enough. Colin, um, I'll tag you in here what you made of Colin uh, fell for it. He thought for the Ponzi. He was the, he was one of the investors that got in late. Money's gone. You you, you can't get it back. It goes <sighs> to the you know, the original founders of the Ponzi scheme got paid out. Uh Ionella and Calabrese, but anyone who gets in late in the Ponzi scheme, you, you just get burnt. As a guy that that plays a ton of blackjack when I go to Vegas, it's called sunk cost, right? I've already spent this money to quit trying to double up. No, I mean, I when I first heard Jerry Kill go into that uh, diatribe, I, I really thought like, well, this is the reason why they played so poorly is because they weren't allowed to practice in the facilities. And then I read after that that they were allowed to practice. Jerry Kill was just offended at the fact that they tried to keep them out of the facilities. And then, you know, if you dissect what Jerry Kill said again, it's like I found out about it two months later. And then he made a comment about somebody else that should be serving time. Uh, there's a lot going on here. All I know is I immediately went to my FBS schedules and found out that New Mexico, New Mexico State play each other on September 28th. And you better believe if Jerry Kill is still the coach of New Mexico State. I'm back on the Ponzi scheme. I don't care who's on the roster. I don't care how depleted they are without Diego Pavia. Uh, Jerry Kill is one of the best coaches in all of college football, and he will have that team completely prepared to win that game. Depleted? Upgrade, upgrade. I'll be on them too, as long as Pavia's <laughs> not there. Hey, Tim, so here's the deal. Stucky talks about the Ponzi scheme, except Stucky, as I documented a couple weeks ago, 2-5 betting against the Ponzi scheme, and then he loses on a New Mexico State over. So Stucky's just bitter about that. Um, but <laughs> I threw I for digress. 50 yards in a bowl game. Yeah, I mean. Okay. He's the first person to throw for 50 yards in a bowl game? No, and he's not the last. Against a bad D in a meaningless bowl, he's pretty. It's pretty rare for that to happen. He's now yeah, fifth McCarthy. string quarterbacks in a monsoon for Miami Ohio had a better day. You're my you're a minus three point three units betting against the Ponzi scheme. Um, but seriously, yes, Stucky, that's what happens. You uh, get you did, burnt by it. People get burnt did, by this. Did. This is why I bring awareness to it. <laughs> no, you, you bet against them. If you would have bet on them, you would. Yes, you it was a. It was a pond. I, I. I. It was all a fraud, and then it got exposed late. I was. I, I'm. I'm just telling you. I'm trying to raise awareness of the public. You're a whistleblower. You're a whistleblower. Yes, Good that's luck. all I'm trying but, to be here. But hey, kudos to Stucky for putting together the the bowl tracker. Um, that was a big hit on ActionNetwork.com and in the Action app. And also, I want to give a shout out to Pat Forty and the guys at Yahoo Sports for recognizing uh, Stucky and the hard work at the Action Network. But Stuck, I just—I don't know. Have you have you told your lovely wife that you have officially changed your name to Stucky from Action Network, who works with Brett McMurphy? Is that on your is that on your driver's license now? I'm trying to change my Twitter handle. I have a request out there, so we'll see. Okay. All right, let me know how that goes. Real quick, I, I do want to give a shout-out to Stucky from Action Network, works with Brett McMurphy, who did a painstaking job of running down who's in, who's playing and not playing for every bowl game. Incredible. Golly. I want to just, as we, we you know, head to the end here, we will be doing, I, I think, one more episode post-national championship, you know, post-all-bowl all season. But if we could just look back, um, I'll start with you, Colin, if you have a, a favorite storyline of, of something we talked about on the pod or not on the pod from, from 2023, obviously a lot to choose from, from your Arkansas Razorbacks from Michigan. Um, is there something that sticks out? 
Uh, I think my favorite story would be the very first bet I made of the college football season, which was uh, me <laughs> driving to the state of Kansas to sit in a graveyard to bet Texas to win the Big 12. It 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 takes, uh, you know, I don't know what if we're if we're rated thir PG-13 or NC, I don't know. It takes a lot of balls to lay bets on Texas in the first week of May to say that they're going to win a conference championship after the, so many failures that they've had. But I think to me, that is the best story because that program has been struggling since 2006 to gain any traction on a national level. Um, and when you are the kind of person that makes a one hour drive to a different state to sit in a parking lot uh, to, to to bet on them, to, to cash a ticket eight months later, uh, I'm really glad that what I saw in the numbers with Texas came to fruition uh, I'm glad everybody was able to hop on that ticket and get on. And I think Texas, Washington, the sugar bowl is going to be one of the best bowls of the entire slate. I think it goes down to the wire and I think Texas wins by one and we see him in the national title. Hook him, hook him from Colin Stucky. How about you? It, it can't be Diego Pavia. My bio. They're my <laughs> most profitable team. Uh, they were most profitable team in the country. And I also hit a future on them eight to one to win the back, even with their backup quarterback and then hit a bowl on them in the uh, bet on them in the bowl with their third string quarterback. They couldn't complete a forward pass and they're still covered. Um, just found a way with their defense, special teams, you know, in a while, if you didn't watch that game, I think it was on ESPN news. I had, I had to find everyone. I, it was like my annual normally that comes up in college basketball. I'm like, where the hell is ESPN news? Um, so I had to find ESPN news, but that was, there was 14 fumbles, the most since the 80s, I think. Somehow there was 17 fumbles in the 1964 Sugar Bowl. Uh, I don't know. Brett, I think Brett was there. I don't I don't know what happened in that game, but 17 fumbles. Brett, do you remember that game? Uh that was uh <clears throat> that was 20 years after I got out of college. So I don't really remember that one that well. Yeah, I think you were probably in South Florida. Uh but yeah, I I, I want to look that game up because I was like, this has to be a record. And then they showed they said no. It's the 1964 Sugar Bowl. Um, There's 17 fumbles, so I got to go find that out. But crazy game. But shout to Miami Ohio, start to finish, they were a cash cow for me. One of my favorite teams ever because like they just did, they did all that stuff that I spend so much time looking into, and one of the reasons why I really liked them. And then they just it all came to fruition. So and then to be able to cover in that bowl game with just. <laughs> they could they had no quarterback they, they there was no chance they could complete a pass uh so and they still found a way to cover um so shout out 2023 Miami Ohio Red Hawks aka Spread Hawks uh they'll be always be one of my favorite teams ever Chuck Martin the goat of uh, now the, the full goat of covering uh, bowl games yeah five and zero against the spread Gabbert back and everyone else on that team is back so they're going to be a force to be reckoned with in the Mac. Um, so yeah, a uh, little teaser to next August Mac manifesto. <laughs> oh yeah. I can't wait for the 2024 edition of the Miami Red Hawks. Brett, did you have a favorite memory or um, like these guys favorite, favorite bets is what they chose. Uh, do you have a favorite memory and or bet? It better. There is only one answer here. I, I mean, Colin, we should write it down, but. I think I know what the answer is. Uh, actually, I'm sure you don't, Stuck. I'm just glad. I'm just, you know, I'm just glad that Colin didn't put diesel uh, fuel in his car on his drive to Kansas, <laughs> or he wouldn't have been able to 
get there and, and win all that money on Texas. So Colin's a lot smarter than than 33% of the people on this pod or 25% of the people on this podcast. Um, I don't really have a favorite memory. I Kind of the overview of the whole thing. And I don't know if people kind of realize this, but this year in a weird way was, was actually kind of boring. Um, as far as the national scene, we only had two of the preseason top 10 teams that are currently not ranked right now. Usually there's more than that. That was, uh, USC and, and Clemson, and of the top 15 preseason teams um, was, uh, excuse me, Utah at number 14 was the only one that's not currently ranked. So the chalk held for most of the year, all the, the heavy chalk, Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, the usual suspects, you know, kind of did what we expected. Um, and really the biggest surprise of any team is probably Missouri. They're, they're number nine right now. Uh, the only the only preseason unranked team is currently in the top ten, but then they're they will probably fall out with the lost Ohio State. Although I guess they're favored now with all the opt outs with Ohio State. So that's kind of my kind of my view on this is that pretty much you know chalk held steady. The teams that we thought were going to be really good were really good, and obviously you know you can kind of mix them up and who got into the playoff. But uh, yeah, that's it, Scott. So I don't, I don't know if you were looking for an Ollie Gordon reference there or whatever. But uh, Bedlam, Kansas uh, State won the final Bedlam. Yeah, How's that I mean, not your favorite were, memory? You were there, you know, torn down goalposts. Come on. I don't, you know, I, I, it's never been confirmed. I was on the goalpost, and um, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take the high road. I'm not gonna mention that Oklahoma State won the final Bedlam until like next year and the year after that and the year after that and the year after that. So I want to, I want to pace myself, but thanks for bringing back that memory to me. And it's, but it sucks. It's a final. And the other day, Oregon, Oregon state announced they're going to do a home and home the next two years. And I immediately Twittered, Twittered. I immediately <laughs> tweeted, you know, Cowboys and Sooners. Look, there, there is a way to do this. You know, you can do this if you want, but, yeah, unfortunately, they're not. But, Doug, thanks for bringing that up. I, I appreciate it. Does that you change? Think, you think there's no chance that, that that's yeah. going to happen? Does it change after Gundy and the current AD are out? No, it doesn't. It's it's this it's the school's scheduling philosophy, and that they they want to play a one non power five, one power five out of conference, and then like a FCS. So. The problem is they both schools have scheduled out for the next 15 years that non-conference Power 5 team. Mm -hmm. And there's some huge games, Notre Dame, Alabama, Oregon, um, Colorado. I mean, some big games for both schools. So the, the problem is they're not going to play two non-conference Power 5s. They're not going to do that. So the option is do you drop – future games with Notre Dame, with Oregon, with Nebraska, whoever, to continue Bedlam? Or do you keep those marquee games and try to fit an OUSU game somewhere down the road? But I talked to both ADs um, last week in Vegas, and there's nothing that that's going to happen in Bedlam for the next probably 15 years. And unfortunately, I think it's going to go go longer than that. Now, they can play in a bowl game, but it just won't be in the regular season. Oh, that sucks. That sucks. All so right. Brett, one last question for Brett. Are, are Brett, are you and I week two going to uh, Arkansas, Oklahoma State and uh, in Stillwater? 
I start calling it stool water and your bad side? Uh, uh, we can check. I'm sure there's plenty of tickets still available. To who's <laughs> who's going to be your – well, I guess you know who's going to be your quarterback. I don't know who's going to be Oklahoma State's quarterback. So, yeah, that, let's see what happens there. I'll roll with you guys if you go. We should make it an action network event. I've been to Stillwater. There we I go. Like the bar. I really like the bar. There's one big bar there that I like. Eskimo uh, Joe's. Yep. Yeah, it was a cool bar. Eskimo Joe's, yeah. And yeah, do we'll the, do, do it. Do the pod Monday morning afterwards. <laughs> you know, we got to stop. We got to stop having all this love for Oklahoma State. And my son, who is about to go, he's at the end of his junior year. He's narrowed his college decisions down to Oklahoma State and uh, Arkansas. And I just cannot be given any love to Oklahoma State these days. Oof. There's Great one logo. smart decision there, and then there's uh, a junior college. So he should go to school. <laughs> All right. Around the horn one more time, as I you know, said earlier about, you know, bowl season. And, yeah, it's not quite what it was as, you know, you guys being older than me. I want to hear if you have a favorite um, pre-college football playoff era bowl game, you know, that isn't a national championship, something – kind of off the map here uh colin would it be that um that bowl you mentioned with arkansas back when you were what six years old no my favorite bowl of all time is tcu oregon alamo bowl i want to say 2015 ish mm. uh, that was the one where it uh i believe <laughs> one team scored all the points in the first half another team scored all the points in the second half it went to overtime and then a, a a deadlock under turned into an over. It was probably the, one of the wildest bowl games I've ever seen in my entire life. And I don't know, maybe the cheese of bowl with yeah. Cal and TCU. <laughs> Boy, they seemed to all involve TCU, but Cal and TCU cheese of bowl where we had an SID rolling on the ground. That game was boring for 58 minutes and then just went berserk. So uh, TCU's and, and then last year, the semifinal with TCU in Michigan, I think all of my favorite bowls include TCU. The that was the Gary Patterson changes shirt at halftime Alamo Bowl, if I remember correctly. Right. Yep. Um, Stucky, how about you? Uh, how about the 2001 uh, GMAC Bowl? It was between Marshall and ECU. I'm pulling up the box score as I'm saying this, if I'm talking slow, because I want to get the exact stats what happened. But it was probably the craziest bowl game of all time. This is when I first, I was in high school. This is when I first started betting. Marshall won 64 to 61 in double overtime east carolina was up 38 to 8 at the half and lost if you have a chance go look at the box score for that game um in in just a, a wild game brett do you remember that game or colin ecu marshall 2001 yeah i, th- I do i remember that yeah, it's so Chad that got Pennington. me like who's uh, in it? Is it Chad Pennington, Randy Moss? Who was in that? Uh, I feel like they left by then. Yeah, tw- two thousand one. Marshall was. Uh, I'm trying to think who the fuck the quarterback was in that game. I think it was Leftwich. I think it was the Leftwich's team. Um, and that was a wild game. Also, one other a Belk Bowl, obviously, just for betting memories. I have so uh, I have so many bad beat stories from bowl games, but the uh, the two thousand eight Sun Bowl was Oregon State Missouri. No one, no one would ever remember this game, but it ended three nothing. Um, <laughs> there was twenty punts, and Oregon State used their home jerseys, but Missouri didn't agree to it. So, because of that, Oregon State got penalized in each half, which meant like they only had two timeouts per half. Um, no, I think it was Pitt. I think it was Pitt. Pitt was that Pitt Oregon State? Now I gotta look this up. 
Um, as you can see, I didn't prepare for this part of the section, but I, as you can tell, I'm very excited. I could go on bowl rants for past Oregon State won three nothing. Yeah, lowest scoring bowl game since the fifties. It was Pitt Oregon State. Yeah, Wanstead versus Mike Riley, and uh, yeah, I always love those like ridiculous bowl games. And then one that's going to be up there from this year, that Miami Ohio game was ridiculous to watch. It was pure bowl madness. It was just in a, a slop. The teams would fumble every play. But uh, the most famous one for me is just the Belk Bowl. Like, I can say that to any gambler that's been gambling for a long time, and they'll know, and then you can go off on tangents and talk about bowls and bad beats for hours. Uh, so, yeah, plenty of bowl memories. But that ECU Marshall was, like, the first one when I first started betting. And I always remembered. I was like, wow, this is wild, and kind of really fell in love with college football. Brett, you last up. Uh, this, uh, goes way, way back, probably before any of you guys were born. The 1983 Blue Bonnet Bowl in Houston, Oklahoma been. State versus Baylor. I was a student assistant working in the Oklahoma State Sports Information Office. We were there working the game for a week. It was me and three other student assistants. We were given a hundred dollars total for our meals and our boss said if we spent more than that to charge everything to the hotel. Well, we spent the $100 in literally the first couple of hours. So now we've got six days left. We charged everything to our hotel room. Yes, there was a hotel bar downstairs. And did I mention about two dozen of my fraternity brothers made the trip from Stillwater to Houston. And we were literally charging everything in the bar to our room. <laughs> Oklahoma State wins the game. Fast forward to spring break. It's Friday before spring break. Our boss calls us in for a staff meeting. And he says, I want to tell you guys, we really appreciate all the hard work you've done. If not, we wouldn't have spent fucking $3,000 on you at the Blue Bonnet Bowl. So <laughs> that was a highlight for me, was spending a $3,000 bar tab. And if you look at 1983 prices and compare that to now, it's probably about 10 grand. And I was just so happy that I wasn't fired from my job working at Oklahoma State. Go Pokes. <laughs> that's amazing. That's unbelievable. So that's, that's a, lot of, a lot of 50 cent PBRs there. Um, all right. As we get ready to wrap up here, just want to remind you that BBOC is presented by BetMGM. Use bonus code ACTION when signing up to get up to $1,500 paid back in bonus bets if your first bet losers. For new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming, terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem called 1-800-GAMBLER. One for the road here. Um, bowl games still underway here um, from the crew. If anyone has a uh, bet they're eyeing or something that changed that you're uh, disappointed in a line movement. Now we've had some more uh, quarterback opt-outs here. Stucky, is there a bowl bet you are eyeing for the uh, next week or two or so? Uh, no, nothing that, nothing that has changed. I mean, I got some, I haven't added anything like all the positions that I currently have. Um, so stay tuned to, well, I'll just use it as a teaser for, our upcoming bowl previews will be going in depth into every single game. Still wait. There's still so much news that come out. I mean, just today you saw Thrash is out for Louisville, their number one receiver. Schrader's out for Syracuse. So 
there's still so much news that's going to come out. So I kind of hit what I wanted to hit early. And then most other things are going to be as we get closer to game time and there's more clarity on injuries, opt-outs. Uh, you might even get suspensions and things like that. So um, nothing to add as of now because I, I, I'm just not – going to add anything until we get closer to game time for all of these other games. And that's why you follow him in the award-winning action app. Call him Wilson. Yeah. The Gasparilla bowl is being played on Friday night. And I could not think of a game that is going to have more points on the slate. There is bad rush defense. And then there's Georgia tech and UCF. They are both bottom 10 and every rushing defensive metric possible. And what you have is Haynes King for Georgia Tech, John Reese Plumley for UCF, and that's all they are is rush explosive. So the over in this game, I put it in the app around, I think, 64, 64 and a half, and then it, it ballooned up to 67. I still don't think that's enough points. Uh, there is absolutely zero defense going to be played in this game, and there is major offensive advantages from explosiveness and finishing drives. Everything says this game is going to be a Friday night bonanza of points, and I can't wait. Points, 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 and maybe some quarterback rushing props as we yeah, as those trickle out. Brett, anything out of you? Uh, Colin, I will be at that Gasparilla Bowl. My daughter, is a, as you know, is a sophomore at UCF. I will be rooting for the points for you. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fast forward all the way to the, uh, the semifinals and the championship. I think Texas is going to win the national title. Um, as Stucky knows, I have been way wrong on predictions on – other Texas teams like Texas Tech went in the Big 12 this year, but I did have TCU last year. Last year, but of course, I guess technically they didn't win the Big 12 either. Um, but I just I like Texas. I think they're going to win the. I think they're going to handle Washington, and then I think playing in Houston, quasi home field advantage. Uh, I like the Longhorns to uh, to win the title and then ride off to the SEC, where the SEC will claim the championship. And Brett, that's funny because when you were. Uh... When you were gone last episode, all three of us, um, I gave us a quick pick on the national championship. All three of us picked Texas. So that, okay. <laughs> all four now that's good. Great. This should, this should end well. Kiss so, of death. Yeah. Yeah. That's, so that's, that's that. Texas, 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 Texas. Um, that'll do it for us in this episode of BBOC presented by BetMGM. Make sure you like, subscribe, all the fine things, reviews for this lovely podcast. And, Keep your ears, eyes open for, and, you know, those notifications on for more episodes dropping in this bowl season. Thank you very much for joining us, gentlemen. It was a pleasure. We'll see you next time here on Big Bets on Campus. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.